The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper, and with me as always is the beat writer, the heart of Giants Nation. Nobody beats the biz. Chris Bizignano, and two weeks in a row, baby, draft gurus. This time, Rick Saratella makes his return to the Giant Insider Podcast. Rick, glad to have you back, buddy. Yeah, we're giving him the business like Trevor Penning. (laughs) <laughs> I, like it. I, like, I like the way you led me into that there, Paisan <laughs> The business, huh? <laughs> We're going to get to Trevor Penning, Rick in, uh, On his first segment, I think uh, I'm going to get curious to get your take on that young man um, So, hey, Rick, how you doing? First off, thanks for taking You know, I, I know, dude, this is you know Obviously a real busy time of year So thanks for taking some time out to talk a little College draft and uh, so much stuff coming on. So how oh, you doing, anything man? for my paisan. You know, we break bread. I, uh, <laughs> you know, had to cut down the media appearances this year with so much going on. We launched a couple, couple new websites, but uh, man, it feels like we were we were talking a little bit before we went uh, to the record session here. But it feels like so long. But it also feels like yesterday we were just talking NFL draft. So I can't get enough of it, guys. I uh, miss you, Jerry and Chris. You, you guys are like brothers from another mother. Oh, nice. thank you, my man. Thank you. See, Jerry, when your name ends in a vowel, it all <laughs> so, Guys, sometimes why. There you go. And sometimes why. There it is. So, Rick, dude, I know you, man, you study these kids. Like, forget about it. Endless amount of time watching these guys. So, look. We all know what the Giants need, Rick, um, and that's going to be a tackle, and there's going to be a very good opportunity to land one of those big kids. But So let's get your breakdown. Rick, Neil, and obviously Icky, um, tell me what you see in these two. They, one of them might be available at five. Looks like the way it's shaping up, Rick, it looks like one of them will be available at five. Of course, this is the draft. You don't know what's going to happen, but tell you know, tell me – what you see in these two guys, who's the guy the Giants should go with a five and all that? No, absolutely. I, I think one of these guys is definitely going to be available at five. It's a great year if you need to protect the quarterback or get after the quarterback, which the Giants need to do. That's where I'm looking at Big Blue at five and seven, and I think they need to protect the quarterback first. Uh, and, and, you know, Houston at three, right? They really kind of hold the cards to the equation because I do think – they may take an Evan Neal or Iguanu and, you know, hey, the Giants will be uh, probably left with whichever player they don't choose. If you're asking me, I'm hoping Iguanu falls to the Giants because as much as Evan Neal is a, a SEC battle-tested, proven commodity and probably the better player as we talk here today, I just love the upside of Icky. I mean, this guy, and he lacks the prototypical height. Like, Evan Neal checks off every single box, right? right. And Icky lacks. Uh, he's got 34-inch arms, so 
the the length is fine, but the prototypical height is not there. So if you if you want to knock him, you can knock him there. But his athleticism is better. His upside and freakish freakish ability, I think, you know, like Evan Neal is coming in here to be the right tackle. I think Icky, if he comes in, it's just like a matter of time, maybe a year or two until he takes over the left tackle position. So for me, it's close, but I have Icky over Neal just from the size-speed athleticism ratio over the course of the long term. If you can coach that and, and tap into the full potential, I just like that fit better. Rick, um, Jerry could tell you this. I say Jerry is about three, three weeks ago now, maybe a month. And I started diving into these, watching these kids. You know, um, obviously I saw some doing Saturday afternoons, but then I started watching them a little bit on the All-22. And about three weeks ago, I guess, Jerry, I said to Jerry, I said, yo, Jerry, let me tell you something. I put it on Twitter too, Rick. I said, I like this. How do you say his last name? Iquano? How do you say his Iquano, last name, Rick? yeah. I said, to, right, Jerry? Yeah, I yeah. said to Jerry, I said, I, I put it on Twitter, so, you know, this isn't some Monday morning <laughs> bullshit when I'm saying it now after Rick said it, because, I, you know, you could look it up. And I said to Jerry, I said, yo, Jerry, I like this Iquano just as much as Neil, dude. You know, uh, this kid has it all, you know. Um, so, Jerry, uh, Rick, the point being is that they can't go wrong with Icky and Neil at five. That's the way I see it. Question for you. I guess you just answered it. There is a possibility, and some people have some mock drafts, although I don't think it's going to happen, Rick, but there is a slight possibility. Both of them could be there at five. I don't see that but you don't know how this is going to play out. So your choice would be Iquano over Neil if that scenario played out. Yeah, I mean, that that would be my preference because I, I'm all about the best player available. And I, so I've is Joe been a firm, Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in that. When you start drafting for need, that's where you get hurt. And, you know, we're talking about two equal position, you know, guys that play the same position. And, again, like, listen, I look at Evan Neal, I'm like, wow, you ain't going to find too many 300-pounders as lean and mean. I mean, that guy doesn't have an ounce of body fat, right? Oh, so, like, wow. I'm not going to be upset about having that guy. I just think that Iguanu's a little bit more athletic, and I think he got maybe kind of buried under the, the, the radar a little bit playing at NC State as opposed to Alabama. And to your point, Chris, like, once you turn on the film, it's it's hard not to be mesmerized by by his movement skills. And, and, I, and I agree. There's a, there, there is a scenario like it, like Detroit, I, I'm thinking, is going to go Trayvon Walker and Houston may go Kayvon Thibodeau. And if that happens, well, then there's a possibility the Giants might be selecting the first offensive tackle off the board. Yeah, uh, because the Jets, they might go corner. You know, the Jets – you know, before them, we'll they need everything. So, yeah. yeah that, that was that was my question, Rick. I'm sorry, man. I, you know, because I'm a Giants fan, I look for the the, you know, the worst in every scenario now. Um, and I'm I'm thinking 1996 all over again. And we ended up drafting Cedric Jones because the four guys we wanted went one, mm. two, three, four, and we were fifth. First question: Is there a chance that the Jets can take one of these guys? Or, or I guess actually, I know there's a chance, but what's your percentage of that? And then second question, say they're both gone. Is the drop-off to Cross and Penning so big that you can't pick them at five and you'd rather have them at seven? You know, I, so I think I put the Jets at 50-50 because, again, they need everything. Yeah, that's, that's way took, too high for me, Rick. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, they, they, they took Mackay back then, and so they probably could add a, a, a 
pass-catching weapon there. To me, four mm-hmm. is just way too rich for my blood to take a wide receiver, but I've been told the wide receivers are going to come off the board way earlier than people are, are anticipating. So I think wide receiver is a possibility. I think a pass rusher is a pass. I mean, I think Sauce Gardner is a possibility. I mean, the Jets, to me, at four are the ultimate wild card. And so if you ask me whether it's an offensive tackle or any position, I'd put it at 50-50 because they need everything. <laughs> right? right, and so with that being said, hey, if if the if the Texans and the Jets were to both take a tackle, would I be? I would be okay with Charles Cross, even though Trevor Penning is, is probably my favorite player in the draft, just because I love his tenacity and demeanor, and it, you know the more modern reference is Draymond Green, but it, to me, he's like the NFL. Uh, He's the NFL draft version of Dennis Rodman. Like you, you hate this guy if you're playing against him, but you love him if he's on your team because he doesn't play to the whistle. He plays through the whistle to the point where it's gotten him into some trouble, right? And it's got to <laughs> yep. be reeled in a little bit. But I like that. I mean that that kind of attitude is uh, infectious, and I think that's you know the Giants need some of that toughness. And so like Trevor Penning at five is it a little bit too rich? Probably, if you, if you look at most boards around the league, I wouldn't be upset with it. Charles Cross now, I don't want to underestimate him. He does need some work in, in the second level. Like I want him to, to be a little bit meaner in, in finishing in the second level with Charles Cross, but the more I watch him, the more he grows on me. Uh, this, guy, this guy has great footwork. He has good technique. He has great hand placement. So, like, Charles Cross, I mean, I, I think all four of these guys – are plug and play starters if you're asking me the pecking order it, it's it's icky it's neil it's cross it's then penning if you're asking me my personal preference i love trevor penning he's my favorite guy in the draft well i could see that i and i think a lot of people when they watch the senior ball and the practices well you know pretty enthralled with him you know because he's smashing kids he's playing after the whistle and like that but i look at him rick and I say, okay, he's still going to need work at this at this level, though. I, I don't see him in those top three yet. You know what I mean? Uh, but Cross, no, he he's strictly he's probably strictly a right tackle. Where where yeah. those other three guys yeah. that we talk about could probably play left tackle, and, right? And, and you could see where he could be a solid tackle, but he's going to need more work than these three, Rick, in my opinion, at this level. Um, I know a lot of people looked at it, and he's climbing up the board and the nastiness and all that, but. You know, uh, the other three to me are, are ahead of him right now. Definitely ahead of him. But I got something, Rick. Charles Cross. I brought this up before. The only question mark I have with him. You tell me what you, you know. Uh, and it's something that could be rectified quick. You know, as he gets older, young man, as he builds into his body more. But I see a little bit of a strength issue right now with Cross. Does that concern you at all, Rick? Or is that something you say? Oh, well, he's just going to build. You know, when he hits the. It, it's definitely out there, right? Like in. I don't know if he struggled to keep weight on, but it seems like a constant theme and a, and a constant topic, like adding weight, maintaining weight, and and translating that into strength and power onto the field is, is an issue. But, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, you know, that that's very correctable, very teachable, and, and really just getting in the weight room, eating the right things, getting, getting them on the right regimen. Like, that's... That probably shouldn't be a, a huge concern, but yeah, it's definitely, and it, I, I think that's why he's kind of viewed as the number three tackle. 
Rick, um, where do you have Tyler Linderbaum in this draft? Where, where do you in the teens, or where are you ranking him? As, and you know, everybody says you can't take a center at seven, but you also couldn't take a guard at two. But you know, I think we'd all be happy with Quentin Nelson. So I'm not necessarily saying that Linderbaum is a should be the pick at seven, but where do you have him? He's in my top ten to twelve overall players. I think he's going to play the next decade in the league as a, as a starter. He might make a couple trips to the Pro Bowl. You know, he's that type of talent. I think, you know, if I'm just ranking offensive line prospects, I probably slot him in. You know, the, the three tackles, and then I'd probably put like Linderbaum slightly ahead of Zian Johnson, or you could flip flop those two guys as the the fourth best offensive line prospect in this draft now. Am I taking them at five or seven? Probably not. Uh, just too many other guys that I like more than that. So, you know, if you want to go Linderbaum, I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. I, I do think the Giants address the interior during free agency that they can kind of see how that unfolds and, and, and see how, you know, some of those injured guys come back there and play. Uh, to me, it would be working on, on, on the exterior and so I think Linda, Linderbaum would be, man, what a, what a blue-collar type of guy. I mean, he would really be a fan favorite if he came to, to – Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it in I, a trade-down scenario. But, yeah, If, that's if they traded down, yeah, and I, and, I, and I do think, like, that number seven pick, especially if Carolina bypasses on a quarterback, I do think that number seven pick is in complete play. It is. Right, yeah, and, uh, and they could stockpile some picks. And it, it'll be very telling, too – if Carolina passes on a quarterback at six, it's like then you start to wonder, well, when does the first quarterback get selected? Yeah, yeah. Rick, I actually kind of heard that Shane's not going to be looking to move up, but he's going to be more than willing to move back with that seven pick. You know, So that's going to be in play, Rick, no question about it. Uh, the Giants could move back a little bit and get another one. Um, so I think Shane's going to be looking to do that. Uh, from what I'm hearing, you know, he's very, very open. With that seven pick. Rick, just, just go back to the tackle position. I, I want to ask you about a kid I've been watching that's kind of intriguing. That, you know, I think he has a pretty good upside. And that's that, and I've only seen him on film, Rick, because I've never seen a Tulsa game. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, I watched Tulsa last year. You know, This Tyler Smith kid, tell me what you think about him. He's another one of these guys that are just nasty in the trenches, right? Brings that tenacity, that DNA, and yeah. he, he, he made a name for himself down in Mobile. I think that's where my the steam engine you know, kind of started to pick up. And I think that's the beauty of the all-star circuit, right? Because there is a stigma against mid-majors and, and small school guys, right. but every now and then you get a, a kid like this Tyler Smith, Desmond Ritter, you saw, you know, all kinds of scouts flock to that pro day. I, I, I think Tyler Smith, that's a name you might not be hearing a lot about, but again, Offensive tackles, they're coming off the board fast. They're coming off the board furious. I think he's a dark horse candidate to, to hit the back end of the first round. That's, that's, that's what I got here in a no possible late first round here because that's how much he's gone up. So, uh, Rick, staying on the offensive line, okay? I know the Giants, you address the interior and all that, but just staying on the offensive line a little bit. I got this Kenyon Green, best guard coming out. Uh, then I got Zion you know, behind him and all that. So talk about what you've seen. And with these guards with Kenyon Green and Zion. Yeah, I think Kenyon Green's been atop a of our big board for a couple of years, right? He's played tackle, he's played guard, he can, you know, has that position versatility. I do think he's 
better off on the interior. Didn't didn't test as well, I think, as, as scouts wanted him to. So I think he might be somewhat limited athletically. Whereas uh, Zeon, I mean, he is an incredible athlete. Now, he came in, you know, we were joking at the Boston College Pro Day because I think you know, he, he, he weighed in, he measured in at like six foot two and a half in the spring. Then uh, he gets to the, to the senior bowl. He's six foot two and five eighths. Uh, <laughs> then he gets to the combine. He's six foot two and six eighths. Wow. Then he gets to the pro day, six foot two and seven eighths. I mean, be, before you know it, he's going to be six foot three by the time we hit April. So he just keeps uh, <laughs> growing an eighth of, of an inch at every pit stop. And, you know, you, you, I, I, the name is slipping my mind. There's too many in my head to remember. But you think back to uh, when I think from Georgia that the the Patriots selected a couple years yeah. ago, and they said, "Oh, he's he's too short to play tackle." Yeah, meanwhile he's been a tackle for two years. And I think, <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, I think everybody just assumes that with, with Zion Johnson. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think interior is his best spot at the next level. But then I look around the league, just like the Giants. I mean, there's a lot of teams. <laughs> That lack depth, not just depth, but starting tackle quality, right? And to me, like, Zeon Johnson is a guy I wouldn't rule out, guys. Like, I would start him off at tackle, like, see if he can survive on the edge at right tackle. And if not, I mean, you got yourself a stellar, stellar starting guard uh, at the next level. Yeah, talking about height, um, I I still say Kyler Murray's 5'9". I stood next to him at an event a couple years ago. I'll, I'll... I'll go to my grave saying he's five yeah. nine. And, and, and no you way. know, I, I and not to cut off the Kyler Murray throw, but Zion Johnson also took uh, snap uh, reps at center. So going back to the Linderbaum point, like Linderbaum is too rich at seven, but if you come back in round two and and Johnson is there, well, hey, you got a guy that could play tackle, could play guard, could play center. But yeah, I, I saw Kyler Murray at the uh, Heisman Trophy. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he's he's a he's a short dude. Right. I'm just going back to proving <laughs> proving the point that these the, the heights change as they go along. So, um, all right, dude. I don't want to get off the line, but uh, you know the the other need. Obviously, you said it. Uh, edge rusher. How do you rank him, Rick? Uh, give me your top five. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is the number one guy. I've never wavered from that. I'm not buying into hmm. all this nonsense about. Uh, taking plays off and lackadaisical non you know durability issues i mean the guy the guy suffered a high ankle sprain in week one of the season and played the entire year on it so you know people are questioning his durability or taking plays off i quite frankly don't see any of that we can get more into his uh sit down with the giants and what that was all about but you know to me thibodeau is one clearly one and I think any team that bypasses him in the NFL draft is going to be very sorry. He's my number wow. one overall player. Interesting. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I guess I'll go number two there uh, with the pass rushers. I think, you know, I, I think he's slightly above Chase Winovich in terms of a prospect coming out, but I don't see him as like the end all be all number one prospect like people are crowning him to be. I do like his motor. I like his get-off. He's got some bend to him. He's got, you know, a little bit of pass rush repertoire. I, I just want to see him get a little bit bigger. And, and, and you know, I, I think he has some work to be done. I don't think he's like a instant, immediate impact player. I think Thibodeau 
has dominated at every single level of his career, going back to the middle school level. Uh, this guy has been dominant, and, and there's a reason for that. So th- those are my top two guys. George Karlaftis is number three for me uh, out of Purdue. You know, I remember his freshman year. I went to a Penn State game, and I was scouting an offensive lineman for Penn State, and and Karlaftis just kept popping into my bin- binoculars. Like, who is this guy? He's a man child as a freshman. He's just bullying people, and you saw. I mean, I think he's got like something like a 40-inch vertical. So he's got sneaky athleticism. George Carla, I call him the Greek god. This guy, you know, he's not going to be like, you know, leading the league in sacks, but I think it could be a perennial double-digit, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten sack uh, type of kind of productive player year in and year out. So those are probably my top three. Um, Ajabu, it was, it was very unfortunate to see what happened to him at that Michigan Pro Day because I I thought he was trending towards being a first-round pick. And then uh, the Minnesota kid, uh, I I think, is a dark horse to be a late first-round selection as well. Uh, Boy Mafe, who, who, again, he lit up the senior bowl. And you go back and you watch the film, and this guy's got some really quick get-off. And, you know, if he's still hanging around for the Giants uh, in the second round and they they go corner or safety – with the seventh pick and, and that boy Amafi, I mean, if you could pair him with uh, Ojulari, I think that would be a good so, combo. So no Jermaine Johnson in your top five, or yeah, Jermaine John, yeah, Jermaine Johnson is definitely a- absolutely. I think I, I see him right there in the middle of the first round. You know, anywhere between twelve and twenty, I could see Jermaine Johnson. And again, I think he did solidify his draft stock with a very strong senior. I mean, you could state a case. He was arguably the best player at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Rick, going back to tips, Thibodeau, I'm going to tell you some of the notes I wrote down watching, okay? You tell me what you think because there's a very good chance he could be a giant, okay? There's a chance. Yeah. Very good chance, okay? Well, I mean, Joe Shane just traveled 3,000 miles to go visit his pro day workout, right? Yeah, that tells you something right? right there, right? Okay. So you tell me, Rick, what you think it is. I have first step explosiveness. Loves the dip and rip. Has different moves, even does the half Dwight Freeney spin. Can play three technique and is effective at it. Is that all right, Rick? Now, different moves, sets the edge pretty good. Now, two question marks. Oh, I'm sorry, Rick. I actually have, don't see the effort issues, okay? I know some people have come out and said this kid doesn't give it all every play. Honestly, I didn't see that, but that's just my opinion. Obviously, you feel the same way. The only question mark I have, Rick, and you tell me what you feel. Is he a diva a little bit at the at the edge position? He he came across a little bit in his presses as a little bit of uh, yeah. Should I say diva, Rick? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about it, but he came across as a little. Some people are concerned about is is he too confident and all that. Tell me what you arrogance. Think about that. I would call it. I would call it confidence, arrogance, borderline cockiness. And I think when you get a rare bird every now and then. When you're at the top of your game from 13 years old, you know, this guy has been, people have been bowing down to him for 10 years. He's only 20, 21 years old. But Thibodeau it has dominated at every level going back to the to the middle school. And, and this guy has just really checked off all the boxes as far as I'm concerned. Now, I didn't see uh, him taking off plays on film 
what was disappointing was I, I'll say two things, two things here, and I can understand why, you know, it gives NFL decision makers nausea. One, you know, the podium interview with the media, like, guy, just keep it in house. All right, you know, like, just, just, just keep, just take the high road, right? And, you know, and, and I'll circle back to that. And the other thing was, and Willie McInnes said it on air because they come from uh, the same part of Los Angeles, and Willie McInnes actually trained or, or worked with Thibodeau and, and knows him personally. And, like, dude, like, he was really injecting himself back into the conversation with that 10-yard split and 40-yard dash, one of the best ever in the history of the combine. Like, all he had to do was... Right. participate in all the drills, go through the positional work, and you're right back into the mix of being the potential number one overall pick. But he said, you know what? I ran a good 40. Right. You want to see my shuttle? You want to see my three cone? You want to see me do positional work? Come see me at pro day. Like, that was a terrible look. And, like, you know, the excuse and, – and you saw, like, the NFL Network went to commercial break. I went back and watched this, and, like, you, they showed Willie McInnes going up to Thibodeau. They came back. And McInnes is like, yeah, I spoke to him, and he said, you know, uh, teams are asking about him doing line, defensive line and linebacker drills, and he just wanted to knock it all out in one shot at Pro Day. Well, there were some other guys at the Combine that, you know what, they did defensive line and linebacker drills in Indianapolis, and I thought it was a terrible look. Now, going back to the podium interview and him kind of calling out the Giants for the needling, like, I thought that was interesting because I also – spoke at the same conference as Kevin Abrams from the Giants who had a response to a question that I found interesting. And it was along the lines of, like, what do they look for leading up to the draft process? And one of the things is, is like, they, they, get, they, they try to find out, like, how much they're on social media because these are Kevin Abrams' words a lot of their misses, especially in free agency, right. has been on players that met their mental capacity. Like, they'll see him in the hallway with the head down and be like, hey, what's going on? And they're reading too much social media. And so, like, I think the Giants really wanted to know, like, right. hey, dude, like, how much of a diva or, or arrogant punk are you? And, yeah. and I hate to say that word. Like, I just called him the, the best player in the draft, right. so I think very highly of him. But he's giving NFL teams every reason not to draft him. So, hey, I, I get both sides of the conversation. Because, Rick, you know, you look at you look at some, you know, talk draft talk, and you have people that actually said, well, this, you know, he's dropping down a little bit. And then you have people, well, he'll be a top three. You know, he's, he's in that category. Like, I've seen people write, oh, he's going to drop down a little bit. You know, uh, don't be, you know, he might not be the first edge guy. It might be walk or whatever it might be. So, Rick, you're, you know, some of the things you do is that, you know, you talk to people at the colleges of these kids and all that. You know, you've been on with us before and, you know, you've talked about, yeah, well, I heard, you know, this, 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 that. So, did you look into Tibbs at all, um, Rick, as far as, you know, what he's been like on campus and all that? Oh, we lost him again. Oh, I got you. Okay, we lost your camera. Go ahead, Rick. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, so, Rick, have you heard anything about, as far as Tibbs, you know, uh, what he's like on campus and all that stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I went into Oregon and, you know, spoke to the coaching staff about him. They they raved about him. They had nothing but positive but, things to say about his work ethic. And, you know, to me, I didn't see any concerns or red flags. I think part of the problem is what happens, especially in the NFL draft business, is it's such a copycat. And I try not to pay attention to what other people are saying right. because it's, it's just like – Somebody on NFL Network or ESPN says it, and then everybody just has to copy the same byline. And to me, that's what happened here. It's like guilty by association. Like somebody came out on mainstream media, said this guy's taking off plays, and then next thing you know, hey, everybody's saying that. And, you know, I'm going to stand by my guns here. I don't see it. I didn't hear anything of it. And to me, like... This guy, pound for pound, is the best player in the draft. I don't even think anybody's close to being number two. That's just me personally. Now, I'm going to stick with my eye test, and we'll see five years from now where the cookies crumble, right? Yes, we will. Yeah, all, all throughout 2021, the season, all you heard was, you know, Thibodeau was, was the number one prospect. It's interesting to see how much he could have dropped. Like, you know, like, he, like Chris said, I think, I think Chris said it before, now, he may be in play now at seven, which is insane just based on everyone's opinion about this guy up until, you know, really two months ago, I think. Um, he was the number one guy, and then Hutchinson had his year, and now he's the, the, the clear-cut one. You brought up something before about dominating at every level, and, I, you know, dude, I, I'm not trying to get in these guys' heads, but you think about because he made the comparison to Clowney, right? And I love Clowney. I've been an unapologetic fan of his because when he's motivated, he's a, he's a monster. But is there something with that, Rick, where these guys dominate from, you know, first grade to now, basically, that when they get to that next level, you know, how much of that, how much goes into the fear of now they got to work a little harder and maybe they've been so dominant physically, they've had the physical gifts, physical gifts all along, that that's something that scares teams away. Does that come into play at all, dude? I mean, it can. I think with Clowney, it was more injury-related, right? Like, once he started suffering from, from the injuries, he lost that explosiveness. But, you know, you saw the flashes of him being a dominant player at the NFL level, not quite as dominant <clears throat> at the collegiate level. But, yeah, I think at some point, when you're that, when you're that far advanced, eventually the competition is going to catch up to you, right? Like, you can't just constantly be light years ahead of the competition and so has Thibodeau maybe somewhat plateaued sure but I know what I'm getting I'm getting a really quality high level type of player and that's been proven at every step of the way now could you state a case that hey he's gotten by on pure talent athleticism you know at Oregon sure but I can also state the same case that this guy is so talented that, you know, guys, a lot of a lot of success at the next level has to do with coaching. And if you get this guy with the right type of guy who is going to motivate him and challenge him and teach him, right, because he's not a finished product, but he's the closest thing to it, this guy has the potential to be the best player in the draft. And so if you get him at seven, I mean – if he is on the board at seven, I am strapping up the rollerblades and just skating up to the podium, okay? I mean, I'd be ecstatic about it. Rick, I 
I think if those two big tackles are off the board, he's going to go to the Giants at five. You know, I can see the Giants taking if he's there at five, if he's there. And I agree with Now, you, you got to be careful there because Carolina could take a tackle on you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they could. They need one. And they just took. They just. I mean, they got. They got. They got Brian Burns. They got. They just took uh, Gross Matos from Penn State. So, like, I don't think Carolina will take a a defensive end on you, but they might take an offensive tackle on you. And Rick, I agree with you. I think uh, Thibodeau is a better all-around player than Hutchinson. Okay. I I don't think it's close. I don't. I know everybody has him as number one and all that. And I saw Hutchinson a lot. He's a talented kid, but. I still don't have him in the Nick Bosa category. You know, like people try to compare him to uh, coming out when Bosa came out. I don't see that. You know, I have Thibodeau actually my number one. I, I'm going to come out with the top 32. I actually have Thibodeau up there, you know, um, ahead of Hutchison. Right? As so, you should. So, Rick, to shift a little bit now to another position. Jerry, you have any more uh, edge questions before I go into another position? I don't think okay. so. James Bradbury is not going to be on this roster, okay? Um He's going to be gone either right before the draft, either via trade or whatever it's going to be. But the Giants just can't. They're not going to be able to carry him in his cap. Okay, so something's going to happen with him. And he's, you know, he's not going to be on this roster come September. So you look at the five, you know, the seven spot and cornerback. I just want to get your take on this because Sauce Gardner, I, I like a lot. Don't get me wrong. I like a lot. But I, a healthy Derek Stingley, to me, is still a better corner. But the question is, I know he has questions with his injury to foot, the whole deal. But Rick, when he was a true freshman a couple years ago, he just blew me away, dude. He blew me away at that corner position. I was one of the best freshmen I've seen play at that corner. I, and, then he had, and then he had some injury issues and all that. So tell me, is there still concerns about his foot, Rick? And if there is no concerns and you feel he's good to go in training camp, do you have him ahead of source? So I th- I believe it's a Liz Frank in the foot, which could linger. It, it could reoccur, and it's it's serious enough where it's concerning for me that if I'm talking about the number seven pick now, if I'm picking inside the top ten, I want to eliminate my risk as much mm-hmm. as possible. And if that means going with a slightly lesser talent, but somebody that I know who's going to be ready week one and I don't have to hold my breath every time he comes up lame, limping over to the sideline. Well, then, you know, with the state of the Giants, you know, you got to take it franchise by franchise situation. Like if if they were a perennial playoff team and a contender, you know, maybe they could afford to roll the dice on, on a guy that's maybe the better talent but coming off an injury. But since they've got, you know, so much need – they just lost Jabril Peppers in that secondary. They're going to lose James Bradbury. Like, to take a guy such as uh, the LSU corner, Stingley, who, you know, maybe he'll be ready for week one. Maybe he won't. But, you know, he it, it's just, to me, it's too much of a risk for number seven. So I, I agree. Like, Stingley, to me, we could look back at this draft and he could be – one of the top three players when it's all said and done a decade from now. But Gardner is going to be immediate plug and play from day one. If you're trying to, you know, get the same kind of mold, six foot two and six eighths inches, very similar to the, to the frame of a James Bradbury. Well then Gardner makes sense. Now to me, 
And I know a lot of Giants fans don't want to hear it. And he had, you know, questionable 40-yard dash times. But Kyle Hamilton, to me, is still uh, the third best player in this year's draft. He's can line up in multiple positions. And I know there's a devalue, em- devalued emphasis on the safety position, much like the running back position on the offensive side of the ball. But to me, I mean, I would have to heavily consider – uh, Kyle Hamilton, and I, I would prefer Kyle Hamilton over Sauce Gardner or Derek Stinley personally, even though I understand the logic oh, no of question. a Sauce Gardner. Rick, just, uh, Jerry, just let me follow up. I don't think there's any question if you're going to look at rankings of uh, Kyle Hamilton's ahead of those two. I don't think there's any question. Uh, Rick, it, you talk to a lot of people, man, the combine, you know, the senior days, the pro days. You, you, you're around, you talk, is there a concern about Stingley's foot out there? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I don't know that the medicals have shown that they can select him in the top 10 with confidence. Right. And so, right. you know, I don't know how far he's going to slide. Like, if you told me Stingley was a top 10 pick, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me he's going to slide to round two, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I really, I don't have those medical reports. So, that's something that teams do kind of keep close to the vest. And from what I've heard, it, it, it's a bigger concern than what's been let on. Yeah. That's why you hear more things than us. I was curious if you've been hearing that. All right, guys. Um, we're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back with Rick Saratella. Hang on one second, guys. Um, I'm pretty high on his Andrew Booth kid from Clemson, too. Um, tell me what you think about him. I might even... Am I wrong for even slipping him at number 32 overall prospect, or, was that, or am I reaching a little bit? No, I think we have him right there at the cutoff. Like, I think Gardner and Stingley are the, are, are the clear-cut one and twos in my book. Some people like uh, the Washington quarter, Trent McDuffie, he's a, a little bit smaller sized. Uh, but I have Andrew Booth right there as like my fourth or fifth cornerback in this year's draft. He's right there with Roger McCrary, who, you know, these guys could sneak into the back end of the first round. They could be available in early round two. But, you know, Andrew Booth, uh, he brings a great size, athleticism, you know, quickness at, at six foot. Another big bodied corner has a long reach. Um, I like what he brings to the table. I also like what. Tariq Woolen, like you've got to, you know, talk about a James Bradbury replacement. Tariq Woolen on day two, whether it's round two, round three, this guy, he went down to the senior bowl at six foot four. This guy ran a four two six forty with a forty two inch vertical jump. Like I remember James Bradbury coming out of NC State. I think uh, I, I believe he had some impressive measurables. This this kid Tariq Woolen has comparable uh, size speed measurements. Now, the big question is going to be, Rick, when you look at these kids, and now that Wink Martindale's over here, you, we all know Wink. He loves that man press. That, that's his thing. You know, that's his thing. He's going he's gonna to blitz, and he's going to put his corners on an island. He loves you. I mean, we saw what he did in Baltimore. Even when he was down the second and third depth chart, guys, he was still playing man. I, you know, which burned them a lot as, at times. So when you look at some of these kids, do you have any issues with them as playing that man press? Can they play that type? Are they good in that field, Rick? I, I think Gardner and Stingley can do whatever you ask of them. I like McCrary in the man press coverage. Um, 
you know, Booth Booth maybe played a little bit more zone at Clemson, but you know, I think he can do it. Um McDuffie from Washington, you know, I kind of like him in the slot a little bit more. And then I think you also have to talk, you know, he might not be a first round. <coughs> Kyer Elam from Florida. I mean, mm. th- this is another big bodied corner that, that moves very well that, you know, if, if he's if he's hanging around in the second round and the Giants don't take a corner in the first round, Kyer Elam from Florida would be a really, really nice second round pick. Yeah, I have, by the way, I have Stingley going to the Eagles to make our life hell. That they'll, they'll, They might take him with one of their picks. Well, remember now, they got burned, three. though, like and Sidney Rice, I think, a couple of years ago, coming out of Washington. Jones. Sidney Jones. Jones. Yeah. Oh, Sidney yeah. Jones out of Washington. They took him, yeah. right, in the second or third round. Yeah, they did. and they got burned they on did. that one. So, I, you know, I don't know if they go back to that wishing well. Yeah. Anyway, I got to ask you, Rick, are there any – and I, I know, like, you got to be careful with answering this, so I'll, but I'll ask it anyway. Is there anyone in the top 15, 20 that has a character issue that you would stay away from? Um, let me... And if you can't answer it, that's fine, man. No, I'm, look, I'm just but... looking. I'm just taking a quick glance at at my board, and I, I know we had a few of them last year, right? And so... Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't see those kind of concerns with Oh, we got a bunch of angels coming out this year. <laughs> you know, I haven't heard too much. You know, and, and I think I think the one guy we touched on was Thibodeau of of Oregon, who's just got such a strong personality. But I'm look, I'm going down my board like guys. These these guys are pretty clean. The, the the first round guys that I have on my board, I'm not hearing anything too crazy or wild. So I I, I wish I had some dirt for you guys, but I don't. No, good. I don't want it. We don't want it. We're yeah. picking fifth and seventh, Rick. I don't want yeah. any. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't Rick. see it. Yeah, I don't see it. You know, I I don't have it. Um, so yeah. And Rick, you know, just talk about Thibodeau again. You know. There's no red flags on this kid. Just, just to clear the record, okay? Well, I mean, I think you know. Again, like you, you, you go at the combine. You're just disappointed from a from a scout right. perspective, from That's a talent evaluation. Like, you know, if, if anything, like we always talk about in the scouting community, if we learned anything from COVID, like never by, bypass an opportunity to compete because tomorrow's never promised. Right. And like he bypassed an opportunity to compete. He bypassed an opportunity, in my opinion. He was trending towards being right back in the conversation as the number one overall pick. He he basically shut it down. And, like, for me, man, I really want to have, like, if I'm the Giants, I want to have him as one of my top 30 visits again. And just, like, let's rendezvous one more time. Like, because, right. you know, you called us out at the podium in front of all the media. Like, there's a really legitimate shot here that we're going to bring you onto the big stage on Broadway. And listen, this guy, he's not going to be taken and, and, and just be under the radar guys. Like he's going to be a personality. <laughs> he's going to be in the spotlight. Like he's going to be a cornerstone of this organization. And arguably, quite frankly, if I'm being honest with you all, he might be the best player on the New York football giants from day one. As, as soon as he gets selected. How about that? I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue that, Rick. Unless they draft Kyle Allen to the seventh, then I'll argue with you. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, 
But Rick, yeah, look, there's no look. Last year, there was a couple of kids that had flags on. I don't give a crap what anybody says. And Joe, you know, and I want to, you know, I want to clear, you know, clear up because I know Ricky caught a little heat from this, and I want to clear something up. Going back to last year, you know, just because Rick said, look, there's some things going on with Micah Parsons that need to be looked at. That's Rick's job. I know a lot of people are like, oh, what happened to the what happened to those red flags, Saratel? Oh, the guy's all pro. He's all. Look, <laughs> there's been plenty of kids that have come out with flags, and they straight, you know, they did their thing in the NFL, never heard from him again. There's been plenty of people who had flags that two, three years down the road, guess what? Those flags came out and something happened. So I know, Rick, you caught some heat, you know, this year, you know, because you said some things about Michael. Well, that's your job. That doesn't mean that's going to happen at the next level, the NFL. All Rick's job was like, say, listen, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing this, and blah, blah, blah. That, you know, and the Cowboys right now has worked out for them. God bless them. That doesn't mean Micah could be an absolute angel for the next 10 years in this league. God bless him, brother. But this is your job. So this is what we talk about. And as far as Thibodeau, this, this, just to clear it up, folks, there's no flag on Thibodeau. Just a couple of things that you have to talk about. Me, Rick, I'm taking him if I'm a giant GM if he's there. I'm taking him. I think he's that good myself rick i'm with you on that so jerry you want to shift to another position what do you want to do brother well yes, no before, before that no i appreciate that chris because you know what oh, I, I know rick big, i saw look, no I listen people. i i got my big boy pants on and i got elephant skin and i will say this listen it doesn't always come to the forefront right like it doesn't always happen that way but I will say this. I, I also got a lot of flack for bad-mouthing Kenny Galladay, for red-flagging Kadarius Tony. We talked about the issues that DeAndre Baker had. So, like, hey, sometimes it comes out in the wash, sometimes it doesn't. Right. Right. But I'm just going to call it like I see it. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in the draft. The fact that he's not going to go number one all, overall, I mean, that's really just poor judgment based on perception deception. And it's amazing to me how many people have bought into this ongoing theory and they're, they're going to let all these little well, things accumulate into a, a, a bad decision. So well, I'll just say, hey, listen, look, I'm always going to stand by my guns. I'm always going to tell it. Like, I have no reason to skew anything, right? I'm a third-party yeah, independent yeah, scout. I, so, I, like, I just, hey, guys, I always uh, keep it real with you. Look, Rick, I just wanted to clear it up because I know you caught a lot of heat from that. I even had a guy in a golf course last year tell me, hey, that guy, Sevatella, <laughs> what is Bro, he kidding me? Possibly, you have I, no idea. Yeah, you I have no imagine. idea. And I said to the guy, so, oh, oh, oh slow, slow the F down. I said, he just saying what he heard and what, he, you know, what he's heard. He never said the kid wasn't talented. He's just saying, hey, there's some issues going on here. And that's what, you, that's what you get paid to do, brother. And, Rick, well, I'm going to – look, and one thing I learned from being in this business a while now is that, you know, you were talking about the perception and maybe that's why the Jaguars are going to go with Hutchinson or one overall. Rick, one thing I've learned, brother, that don't think all these scouts know what the hell they're looking at in this league. And I think the Giants could attest to that by their drafting, Okay. Okay, matter of fact, Joe Shane already got rid of Gettleman's right-hand man, launched his butt, and I'm sure after this draft, there's going to be a few more. All right, so I don't know so much, you know, I know the perception, maybe Thibodeau, but a lot of times, Rick, scouts are looking at one thing, and then another team's scouts are looking at another. And that is the difference a lot of times in winning and losing programs, all right? So, you know, if, they, if the Jaguars scout, don't be so sure, it's just like, well, it's a perception, they're going to go with Hutchinson, they think it's a safe... 
they might be looking to say, oh, no, we like this kid better than Thibodeau, where me and you are totally different. And a lot of other scouts are going to be like, oh, I don't know what the hell the Jaguars are looking at, but we're going to go with this kid here. It could be the Lions at two say, hey, you think we're passing up? They could be throwing smoke at This is the smoke yeah. time of year, Rick. This is the it smoky is. time of year where teams send out those smoke signals. Okay, well, we're looking at this. We're going to think, you know, because they want Thibodeau, second, whatever it might be. So we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Rick, I just wanted to say that about you because I, I thought it was bullshit how much heat you caught because you're just saying well, it like it is. And, and, and look, I, I mean, Michael Parsons, like I just said, he has some stuff going on, and he could be. The, he seems to be a great kid. He had a great first year, and he might be a great ten-year guy for the Cowboys. Although I hope he leaves in free agency in three, four years. He gets the hell out of Dallas, okay? But well, and four years. Uh, but at the same time, who knows? In a couple of years, something might pop up where you might say, "Hey, that's that's what was talked about in college." But I just wanted to clear it up for you because I don't. No, you know, I, don't I appreciate like, it. I and like you got to weigh the risk reward at all times. Yeah. And Dallas sometimes doesn't really care about the off the field baggage as much I, as some of the absolutely. other organizations. No, the Giants. The Giants no. Well, listen, the Giants have always been classy, and I think to our conversation last year, we were talking about the DeAndre Baker situation that was fresh in our minds, and I just right. said, "Hey, it might yeah. not mesh well." with the the direction that they're trying to move and so hey it's all love now i appreciate the passion and enthusiasm and the big blue fan base listen i'm born and raised newark new jersey not too far from giant stadium man i've been i've been <laughs> doing this thing for a long time so i get it and i appreciate the passion and i i embrace all feedback good positive negative indifferent and everything in between but you know that that's why I appreciate coming on your show, guys, and having this platform and well, and preaching to the big blue fans, yeah. man. Like, hey, we're all in it together, man. But hey, yeah, I'm always gonna be a straight shooter. And, and you know what, Rick? I don't. You know, you're a big boy. I'm a big boy. Jerry's a big boy. And we, you know, I put stuff on Twitter constantly. And I catch heat for a lot of stuff and uh, whatever. It's the it's part of the deal. But I, I don't like to, like, when a guy like you, this is what you do, and, and a guy gets maybe drafted ahead of what you had him projected, and people are like, oh, see, he's wrong. Oh, well, folks, slow down. There's scouts, head scouts on professional football teams that couldn't scout Lawrence Taylor coming out, okay? So please, with the, you know, just don't think, folks, because these guys are in charge of college scouting on a professional NFL team that they know what the F they're doing. Because as you could see from drafts, from some of these teams, and the Giants included, okay, especially in the third round where they couldn't pick their nose if they had a 40-foot freaking booger in it, okay? Okay, that they, they just can't draft well. They had a few decent ones and a lot of misses, all right? So that's what I just wanted to say. Uh, and that's it. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to finish blowing smoke up your ass now, Rick. We're going to move on to tight ends, Jerry. What do you think? <laughs> well, actually, I want to move. I want to move to one other position oh, first. Go ahead, bud. Go ahead. Although, although we're not taking one, can you start talking up these quarterbacks so that teams want to trade up, Rick? I mean, I, you know, we really appreciate it if you could say that Kenny Pickett is a, you know, a generational talent that you just can't pass well, up. Well, here, here's what I, here, here, here's what I can tell you is Kenny Pickett committed to Temple when Matt Rule was the coach before he departed for Baylor. David mm. Tepper, the Panthers' owner, graduated from Pittsburgh. Okay. Matt Rule, David Tepper, and Scott Fitterer were all at Pittsburgh Pro Day, you know, making Kenny Pickett tick off the glove, show him how they grip the football and all that fun <laughs> stuff. So 
<laughs> you know, so I think there's go, legitimate... So Pickett's going at six. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> I mean, listen... Well, that go, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, I kind of alluded to it like, hey, if Carolina does bypass on a quarterback, that'll that'll tell us a lot. And that's kind of what I meant by that. And so, you know, I did ride the uh, shuttle bus from Terminal A to Terminal C with Pickett and the Giants, and I didn't have my draft Bible paraphernalia logo on and i was in the front of the bus and the giant scout and the, and kenny pickett was in the back of the bus and they basically told him like in so many words hey we're committed to daniel jones um Which they so are. i don't see the giants yeah so i don't see the giants even touching a quarterback on day one but you know malik willis is, is the guy that teams are going to fall in love with the physical traits right i get it the trey lance kind of enigma where he can make some wow throws that other quarterbacks just can't so i think malik willis will go in the first round and i think those are your first two guys now you know is seattle in love with drew Locke? like they say like they say they are you know that remains to be seen (laughs) uh the pittsburgh steelers at 20 you know they know kenny pickett about as as well as anybody because they share a building with the pit panthers so you know are they comfortable pull, pulling the trigger on a pickett or willis i think those are two teams that can select a quarterback and then you know honestly guys like i i have a hard time stating a case for another first round quarterback however like desmond ritter from cincinnati sounds like he's the third guy now and i don't know if that's a a veteran team in the back end trying to develop him, or if that's a a, a team like the Lions or, or someone trading back into the back end of the first round to move up to get him if they like like him that much. But to me, it's it's Pickett or Willis one and two, and and then I think Desmond Ritter sneaks into the back end of the first round. After that, I mean, I, I got a hard time selling these guys. I mean, I I wouldn't touch any of these guys until round three personally. And I don't know about you, Rick, but you know you're, we're all Giant fans here. I'm not trading seven to twenty if Steel, if the Steelers want Kenny Pickett, unless you're giving me your second, third, fourth, and then your first, second, and third next year. Like I, that's just that's too far to drop, man. With all the talent and available in the top fifteen. Yeah, I don't think I don't know if the Steelers have the draft equity to pull off that yeah. trade. Uh, maybe the Seahawks do. Um, and then, but that's a, that's a different scenario too because it's nine, I think, right? The, the Seahawks are nine. That's seven to nine. Okay. And what are you giving us? Well, I'm just saying, I'm not doing what last year going down to twenty. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I I think the C like if if the Panthers don't take a quarterback, you know, it is Atlanta like Marcus Mariota is a stopgap. So like, does right. does Seattle love a quarterback enough to leapfrog Atlanta, who could very well take a quarterback? I think that yeah. you know that's where I think you could see a, a, a quarterback trade come into play. Like they're not going to trade with the Eagles, who publicly have stood by Jalen Hurts, and they have the 15th and 16th and 19th picks, so they they have the equity to move up. But you know, are the Giants and Eagles really going to execute a trade? I don't really see that scenario. No. I don't know oh. if Pittsburgh has the draft equity to move up. So, like, wait, Chris, you think they might? Chris, you think well, they I would? I never thought I would see that until last year when the Eagles and Cowboys swapped. So, I'm not going to rule anything out. That's what okay. the, after what I saw last year, Jerry, when the Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah. I, 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 so, I'll never rule that out. But go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Well, no, I mean, it would be interesting, right? Because the, the Eagles are the one team that do have three picks in the first round. Yeah. Could move up if they like a guy. I mean, I'm oh, not yeah, a believer sure. in Jalen Hurts. I don't know. Yeah. They publicly publicly they are, but like the Eagles draft a quarterback every year. They went from Sam Bradford to Carson Wentz to Nick Foles. They drafted Nate Sudfeld. They it seems like they're always drafting quarterbacks. So like I wouldn't put it past the Eagles. I I, I think you know we talk about the Jets at four. I think the, the Panthers at six. If you're talking about two wild cards in the top ten. I think the Jets and the Panthers, like, they have so many needs. They can go in so many different directions. And based on what those two teams do, I, I really do think it could dictate how the Giants move in this uh, top ten. Yeah, I've been saying it for a while. The Jets are the wild card here, Rick. Did he? Did he? They're the wild card. I don't know what they're going to do. You know? So, Jerry, let's move on to tight ends, bro. Uh, Rick, obviously the Giants desperate need of tight ends. Okay, right now Ricky Seals Jones. <laughs> Is their number one tight end. And you got a better <laughs> shot at me playing center field for the Red Sox this year than Ricky Seals-Jones being the number one tight end on this roster. And if he is, Rick, we're in huge trouble. Point being, they're going to address this position in the draft. I haven't gone with one tight end. Jerry hasn't gone with two, which is a very, very distinct possibility. So, Rick, I have him in the third round. They got two threes at Giants. I have him going tight end with one of those threes. The first three, um... I have them going with a tight end. So tell me, Rick, who you seeing that they could have, they could grab, you know, in the third round? Rick, if you're thinking maybe even second round? I- yeah, so, I mean, yeah. It, 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 and I don't think they're going to take a tight end in the first two rounds. I don't really see that as a pressing need. But I do think, like, right. round three, you probably got to start thinking about that equation. And to me... Greg Dulcich from UCLA, this is a guy that's continued to grow on me. Again, he kind of had a somewhat of a coming out party at the Senior Bowl. Runs really crisp routes. Uh, very dependable pass catcher at six foot four, two 240 pounds. Um, doesn't have the same athleticism as Evan Ingram, but he has better hands, <laughs> and that makes me feel good. Feel who, good. who doesn't? Sorry, Rich. <laughs> so... You know, and and, and 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 let's be honest, guys. Like, there's not – I don't think there's, like, an immediate bust-out yeah. player at the tight end position. Trey McBride is probably the top-rated tight end, and he'll be gone by the time the Giants are taking a tight end. But there is depth at this position. Like, Kate Otten out of Washington, I think if you're looking for a more traditional big blue tight end that can block and catch – Kate Otten is your guy out of Washington, and I think he'll probably be like a third round selection. Now, if you want, like what 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 with Dayball kind of did, like if you saw what he how he implemented Dawson Knox the last year or two, like Dawson Knox suddenly became this great red zone weapon, right for the Bills, and he ran like a four six something coming out of college. And so, like if you're looking for that kind of pass catcher, I mean, I'll give you two guys: uh, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Maybe he's an early day three. I don't know if he's quite the round, you know, round three, but maybe like yeah. round four. Isaiah likely out of Coastal Carolina is a big target, big hands, uh, can catch the ball. And then this Jelani Woods, man. I mean, this guy was one of the best players I saw at the East West Shrine game. He came out, he had a phenomenal combine. He ran four six one at six foot seven, two hundred and fifty three pounds. I think 
at the end of the day, Jelani Woods might be the best tight end. And I, I think he had some, some injury issues there at Virginia, but at the end of the day, he might be the best tight end, and you could get him in round three or round four. How about Jeremy Ruckett, Rick? Yeah, no, Ruckett's a good, steady guy. I mean, you know, the body of work, you can't argue. He's got great size. He's got uh, dependable hands. He could block a little bit. So I, I think, you know, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but a, a guy that could come in and, and compete for a starting job at the next level, no doubt. Yeah, when I say they're going to take two, it's because it's more of a dartboard method. It's just we're going to – there's, like you said, other than McBride, it seems like all these guys are, you know, third, fourth, fifth I'll round. tell you one guy that I really bit. like, and I don't know if he gets drafted or not, Austin Allen yeah. out of Nebraska. We had him out at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. He reminds me of a Dallas Goder. Or he's just a tall, okay. big, pass-catching, athletic tight end. And, like, you don't really think about Nebraska for pass-catching tight ends, but this guy, like, set every receiving record there was this past year at Nebraska, and, and he's just an athlete. He's a he's a freak at six foot seven, uh, just really explosive athlete. He was making catches all week long at the NFL PA Bowl. I, I find it hard to believe that that guy's not going to succeed at the next level, and he could be had – I'm telling you, late day three, maybe even undrafted free agent. Yeah, like I, I was saying, I, I think it's going to be more throwing bodies at the position a bit, not reaching for anyone. But if they have a value at a tight end, it's okay. You know, I mean, right now, if you look at the roster, it's it's anemic yeah. at tight end. And, and you know, Myrick is number two right now. And he's, I think Chris said it the other day, he may not even make the team. He's fourth at best. Uh, ideally, he'd be fourth at best. Um, so, Rick, look, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are the Giants doing um, at five and seven? Well, I mean, to me, it, it, it's uh, it's offensive tackle at five. Hopefully, it's Iquanu, and if if it's yeah. not, it's Evan Neal. Um, yeah. Charles Cross, worst case scenario, not a bad consolation prize. But I'm going tackle no matter what because, yeah, finally for the first time in. It seems like in a decade that they, they addressed the offensive line adequately. Uh, I, I liked how they built up the interior. Andrew Thomas seems like a solid piece. Matthew Pert, not so much. So let's find the right tackle. Let's figure yeah. out the centerpiece. I think that'll play itself out. But if you take a tackle at five, the offensive line is set. Now... They need to improve the pass rush. Ojolari was a big step in that right direction. I like the cornerback depth more in terms of coming back on day two because while defensive end or edge rusher might be the deeper position, there's also going to be more of those guys that come off the board in round one. So I think if you wait on a on an edge rusher, because that's a hot commodity around the league. Like – Go find me the team not looking to add a pass rusher, right? Sure, yeah. And so to me, like, I'd be tapping into Thibodeau, even Karlaftis to me at seven. Yeah. Best player available, mythology, Kyle Hamilton, if he's still on the board to me. Although I do think the Giants might go Sauce Gardner. If my, if my gut, if I'm going with my gut, I think they go Sauce Gardner because – I'm saying I'm seeing, hey, Bradbury's gone. That's a gaping hole. I get the philosophy and logic. I understand it. 
I wouldn't be upset with it. I would just put Carl Laftis and Kyle Hamilton over Sauce Gardner for me personally. But I, I, if you said guns to my head, what are they doing? Iquanu, Sauce Gardner, those are your five and seven. If it's me, I hope it's Iquanu and Thibodeau. Awesome. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I, I think Johnny fans would be happy with either of those scenarios. To be honest with you, um, personally, I'm 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 with you, and I think Chris is as well. You want the, you know, you want the tackle, and you want the edge rusher. And if a guy like Thibodeau drops to seven, it's it's just a no brainer. It's uh, it's just a mismatch, you know, situation where like, hey, you you've got to account for Ojolari and Thibodeau. Like yeah. that's going to keep opposing offensive coordinators up late at night, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, and, and Ojolari is not that – he's not that guy by himself. He's a – you know, I, I, we were talking about the other day. He's a great number two. He's a great 1A even. And if you could add a one with him, uh, then you have something. Martindale's going to be a lot of fun to watch this, you know, insane blitzing defense. So, Rick, we're, we're going to start wrapping up. You know, you've given us a lot of your time. Um, I'm just going to – one quick thing, Jerry, and then, you know, we'll wrap it up with yeah. Rick. Um, there's so much to talk about, and, you know – and, oh, man, time flies. But, Rick, linebacker-wise, quickly, um, I have the kid from Georgia ahead of Lloyd. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I mean, they're neck and neck, right? I, I, I think, you know, Lloyd, to me, is, is the lateral guy. Uh, covers a lot of ground. You know what you're getting. I think you're getting a, a high floor where Nicobe Dean is a little bit more upside, a little bit higher ceiling. However, you know, he comes in in, in, in that Sam Mills uh, kind of size ratio. So, like, you, you do have to be concerned a little bit. You know, what is he, 5'10", five, 5'11", five, five, right around that range. And, you know, that the size stigma is a real thing in the NFL. So I do think that hurts his draft stock in terms of, you know, pure talent. I, I skew towards N'Kobe Dean, like, if, if I was – Starting a team from scratch, Dean would be my guy. If I was looking at it from a 50,000-foot perspective and understand the scouts' logic of thinking, I think you know Lloyd might be the safer pick. I think Dean is the better pick. Um, so, you know, I, I think both of these guys find a way inside the first round at the end of the day, and I think they'll both be uh, very talented starters. Chris, I'm glad you brought up uh, linebacker because it, it's um, it, you just don't know if it's a need with them, right? Like how healthy is Blake Martinez going to be coming back? The drop off after Tay Crowder is really the problem, right? It's if you have Martinez and Crowder, you could do a lot worse, but it's that next drop off. So while I don't think, the, you know, I, I don't know if the Giants would even consider one in the first round. I think they would if they traded down in the teens, maybe. Um, obviously, I don't think it's seven, but I'm, I'm glad you asked that because. You just don't know with, uh, with, with Martinez coming back, no? I mean, it's, it's not the need, but it's a need. I mean, two things. Um, you know, Blake looks like he's going to be back for the season. But, Jerry, he, this is, you know, next year is his last year. Right, right. He, he, yeah. not gonna, I mean, I don't think they're going to. I no. can't envision resigning. Sure. It's, it's a, it would be I a could be for wrong. the future as well. Yeah, you're right. And, Jerry, the, you know, the thing that Joe Shane made it known to us a few times is that he's, you know, he's going to go with the best player available. Yeah. You know, um, no, nah, I don't think he's going to have Dean up there seven overall, but you just don't know. But, like, 
they're going to have to address that linebacker position, Jerry. You yeah. Know, I mean, Tate Crowder is just a decent backer. Decent at best. But, yeah. Know? And Blake's. Blake's coming off the serious injury, right? And it's probably going to be his last year as a linebacker, as a giant, Jerry. You know, so yeah. that's why I, I wanted to. I was curious yeah. to get Rick, you know, what he thought about those two, those two. Games. And, and to your yeah, point, is, like Tay Crowder's decent. Tay Crowder's decent, but the drop off beyond him is not. It's just nothing. There's nothing there. You saw it last year when Martinez went down. It was Crowder, and then oh my God, it was Raglan struggling any any time they threw anyone threw the ball. It was just good against the run. That was it. Jalen Smith came on late, but what's he got left? So anyway, go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you, you, you want to hope, like, hey, round three, if a guy like Christian Harris from Alabama or Chad Muma from Wyoming slides down possibly to round three, I think that could be in play for, for the Giants. But, you know, I agree. I mean, I love strong linebacker play. I feel like it's been way too long since we have, we've had uh, – some strong like linebacker play in in, in Jersey, and uh, they need to get back to the roots there. Yeah, good point, Rick uh, or uh, Chris. I'm sorry. Anything else, bud? Anything else you want to cover with Rick? Listen, Rick, it was a pleasure, you know, and thank you for giving us some your time, man. Because I know you're real busy, and I know we couldn't cover every position, every damn player, but we only have a certain amount of time. But uh, I appreciate it. I, I thought it was a really good conversation, and um, what you do, uh, I'll say it again to the folks, you really. You know, I, I've gone by, I've, I've gotten Rick's Bible, folks, and, and I've gone what he's had and how he went in the draft. And, man, you know, he's he's spot on. Of course, not everyone he gets. Nobody gets everyone, but he's right there with the way they fell in the draft. And, Rick, great, keep up the great work, brother. I hope to talk to you soon. Maybe we will light up this summer, buddy, down at Lavalette, right? You're at Lavalette, Rick? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, one of our buddies just bought the uh, Hooks Bar in Seaside. Oh, no kidding. And so, yeah, so, uh, huh. you know, I think it's been around for 60 years or so. Yeah. So, so. Heard of that. That's yeah, awesome. So, yeah, so we'll have to uh, collaborate. I mean, they're talking about building stages and hosting some shows over there now. So maybe we could tie in uh, the Giants Insider. And, and you guys have heaped all this praise on me. I got to say, you know, we were talking off the air again before we hopped on. And, and recorded this session like i love getting my giants insider i'm an old school guy oh, nice i love one. the publication i really appreciate just having that delivered to my mailbox and heading up to the to the to the beach here in lavalette man and just you know being able to get away soak in like you know i live inside the bubble now right like i'm i'm always living the, inside the draft bubble but you know i i do bleed blue at the end of the day, uh, my father raised me to be a Giants fan. And so, you know, coming up in the early uh, 80s, you know, I, I, I've been a, a big blue supporter and follower. But over the last several years, you know, I can't keep up with the Giants like I like I have been with so many other responsibilities and obligations. So, you know, when I get that delivered to the mailbox, man, I, I get caught up with uh, – a lost art, which is long form writing, and what Jerry does and what Chris does, really is is uh, somewhat of a dying breed, guys. And I hate to to put it that way, but it, it's just not enough of it in my life. And I really appreciate you know the Giant Insider publication coming to my mailbox, man. Keep it up. If you're not a subscriber to that publication and you're a listener to this podcast, do it, do it now, because I can tell you, being an independent 
uh, company, and and we just went on Sports Illustrated a year ago, so we're lucky enough now to be on a mainstream platform. But for you know, damn near twenty years trying to survive in this media industry, it's so tough. So guys, like if you can support the Giant Insider newsletter publication because it goes a long, long way. Rick, I. Can't, I don't even know how to respond. Thank you so much, man. And, and something you said real quick, and I don't want to keep you much longer, but, you know, your dad. Like, the dad-son Giants thing, I, I find that more with the Giants than any other, forget sport, but team. I, I should say, forget team, but sport. Like, the, I don't know what it is, but father to son with the New York Giants is a thing. And, and you touched on it. I think everybody feels that. And listen, man. Um, Wow, thanks. Well, for we the all know it's a blue, man. it's a blue collar, it's a blue collar town, man. Like if you're a Giants fan, you're a blue collar, hard worker individual. Like that's just what it is. And I should say, father to kid, right? I mean, it's just, it really is. It's it's passed down like a family heirloom, man. I've made that comparison before, but Rick, I, I can't thank you enough for what you said about us. It seems like, you know, we paid you to say that, so the you know the check is in the mail, buddy. But no, thank you so much. <laughs> really kind words and, and we really we appreciate it man more than you can imagine thank you no thank you guys i mean you know game recognizes game we're in this together and uh you know big blue has got to be you know nowhere up from here you know only one direction to go so i know you guys will be on it i'm i'm sure uh chris rick, r- rookie minicamp I'm sure we'll cross paths at some point here yeah, soon i was just in, gonna i was just gonna answer May. that rick it yeah. looks like we're gonna go back to normal hopefully Hopefully, which yeah. means a lot more which means a lot more credentials are handed out for training camp and mandatory camp. You know, a little bit, but you know, besides the regulars. So hope, hope to see you there, Rick. Yeah, I hope you got so. my number, buddy. You just let you let me know when you're heading down here. No, I definitely will, and and we'll be checking out guys like Anthony Bug, the safety out of Monmouth, who I know already has an invite to the Giants rookie camp. See how we just threw that in there, guys. We're never going like to stop feeding the in information. Yeah. Like we can't like stop, that. we won't stop. So. Uh, no, Chris, Jerry, I appreciate it, man. I hope to see you guys down here at the Jersey Shore. All my big blue listeners, whether you love me, hate me, or anything in between, like, you know, let's catch a beer at the at, at the sawmill. Let's do it. There it is. Nice. All right, Rick. All right, Rick. Thank you, brother. Well, folks, hope you enjoyed that. Rick Saratella from the Draft Bible, man, does a great job, Chris, doesn't he? Holy cow. Uh, yeah, I, I really respect the work he does, man, and uh, I, I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy it. They enjoyed Rick last year when we had him on. We're going to have him a lot. You know what? We're going to have a lot more, Jerry, during the yeah. season training camp. You know, because we we like to get his perspective on things, and uh, he does a heck of a job scouting these kids uh, that are coming out. And I hope uh, I'm sure everybody liked it, Jerry. So yep. I appreciate him coming on. He's really busy this time of year, as you know, Jerry, and uh, they give us an hour plus, right? So uh, yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yep. All right, guys, to order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. And for a digital subscription, go to magster.com, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. All right, guys, remember, Sundays are giant days, baby. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody.